That was a good hug. He, he dodged me first service. And I felt like I had to work through my acceptance the first 15 minutes. They're like, does the pastor even want this guy here? <laughs> no, it was, it was an accident. But uh, I'm going to dive in because I want to share and go on the journey together. And for those of you that have semi-checked out, I'm not offended, but check my again because really the ask will be at the end, but it's a lot bigger than that, and God's doing a lot more with this ministry. Amen? So you're going to get a chance to meet some Ugandans right now. So we're talking about that. So I switched this message. In, in your service, in your office when we were praying, um, video goes a long way. So I took this video my first trip to Africa in 2017. And this is an actual place where thousands of people, mothers, daughters mostly, uh, our brothers and sisters get water. This water is deadly. This water is killing them. Why would they drink it? Uh, you die of dehydration in three days. So either drink water that's slowly killing you or die of dehydration. That's the mean choice that they have to make in their life. So I want to take us there and then we'll build from there. And my laptop is already dying. That's awesome. It's okay. It's, it's in the booth, though. Let's do it. There's only one thing about this video that bothers me every time. Anybody has any questions? Look at that water. We, we, we wouldn't give... Uh, for washing clothes or for... Sorry? They can use this water for washing uh, clothes. Uh, it, um, it bothers me every time. Uh, it's like... bothers me every time. The danger of that video and just when we look at things like this or see pictures or photos, whether it's here domestically or internationally, we remove ourselves. And it becomes a documentary. And once that distance happens, uh, that's what the enemy actually likes because we can desensitize ourselves, our hearts from loving on people. This is not a condemning message. Let me say that right now. Um, it's about a revival, but we have to start at the reality of the situation where it's not exaggerated. It's actually downplayed so that I don't disturb people's comfort too much, to be honest. And I've gotten that feedback at times. And I go home, I cry, I get over it, and I go, God says, tell it the same next time too. Um, Leading to that, and that's why I think it's connected, uh, is we, it's what's necessary is a revival. And we know that domestically, but internationally, because the church can end this. So that's the first thing that I forgot to even mention. This is an endable, preventable thing. It's not like we don't know how. And it's not like we haven't even put a dent in it. This is real. This is happening, and we're going to end it. And it's, really, the question is, what side of that um, story are we going to be a part of? 
of our children's children, but we are part of ending this oppression and problem uh, that, that's not accidental. It'll take too long to unpack how did these communities get like this, but it's real, it's happening. So revival is what God put on my heart. Love, mission, oneness. And my sub, I submit to you that the only real revivals that God is completely involved in has all three of those components. From Pentecost to, I'm giving it away, the Azusa Street Mission Revival. That God bless us, that happened right here in our state in downtown Los Angeles that all of us should know about. And it shouldn't be micromanaged in just, into just a pouring of tongues and miracles because it was a lot more of that than that and it was very intentional what God was doing. So that's the journey we're on. And I start with the first revivalist though because otherwise I wouldn't be sitting here. This is Zach Durr and his family. You don't know him. Uh, that's his family. He's a pastor now in Wadsworth, uh, Ohio. Where's my Ohioans? Raise your hand, please. Every no Ohioans? Somebody's lying. This is the first time in history. Unbelievable. Take a picture, Chris. I've never given a, a sermon or a small announcement. Doesn't matter how big or small the group is without one Ohioan. There must be something unique going on or someone's lying. <laughs> okay? But either way, this gentleman came and spoke to this dude here. I had to put the arrow because people were asking me which one. I'm like, the most epic one in the picture. That's me. I'm going to be humble later. But right now, this is my football moment. This is a dope picture. This is my life that I was living. There's Zach Durr, a kicker, and he's a revivalist because he didn't care that I was the star defensive back, you know, and there's a pecking order in football. It's football season. Let me break this down to you. Star DBs, we don't really, I mean, maybe a quarterback can talk to me, maybe a linebacker, but definitely not a kicker. <laughs> he didn't care because God said, invite this angry young man. I did not know God. I was not raised in a church. I was a freshman of the year, already getting scouted a bit for the NFL, 3.7 engineering student, top on the world, and dead inside and angry and broken. I played with pure rage and anger, and they paid me for it. I got a free scholarship. Everyone else was playing football. Jokes on them. I was trying to hurt everybody. <laughs> Don't judge me. That's pre-Christ. And then immediately, I forgot to mention this, I went from a three-second guy, meaning one, two, three, now we have a fight, to a hugger. Now I hug handshakes, and I love certain generational hugs because I just force it in. And, and you ever be pushed back by a hug? Like, I've been pushed back by handshakes. I'm coming in for a hug. He's like, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, son. I'm that guy. That's God, right? And off of that football team, after I came back and accidentally found myself in ministry, I guess, quote-unquote, telling people about God, apparently inviting them to Bible studies and athletes and action retreats means you're in ministry, I guess. And everyone was like, looks like you're in ministry. I'm like, dude, I'm not in ministry, duh. He was like, that's ministry. <laughs> so six pastors off of that D1 football team that I know of from Zach Durr. It's a revival. It's a revival. But to have a revival because you're, you're revisiting something that's already been going. There's, we, we, we're doing church, we're the body of Christ, but the plan is already in place. There's no rewriting the plan. So let us read the plan together. Here's the liturgical part. So break out your phones or just read the screen and we're gonna read it together because this is it. There's no new plan. All of us are according to this same plan if, we've, if we're in Christ together. And I will read it. Acts 2, 1 through 7. Uh, actually, we're gonna be on that. And then we'll read the end of Acts 2, which most of us, including myself, really 
brush over or forget about. And that's the real meat of the message, but I want to lay the foundation. Lord, speak through me. All you, none of me. Mm, let your love prevail. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fi- as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. We know this part. Man, this is epic already. It's already good. And they, f- they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We know this. Now there was a dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation. The Bible doesn't accidentally mention anything. Every nation, right off the bat. God is intentional about what he's doing here. It's not, they didn't just happen to be there. They were guided there. At the, sound of the, at the sound, the multitude came together. What's that? They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? They don't know Italian. They don't know Spanish. They don't know German. They don't know it. That's German, by the way. I just said it wrong. Uh, and that means thank you. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. God is being very intentional to be detailed. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. There's another message right there. Not just saying mighty works of man, he's talking of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And you can't have any good Christian movement without haters. So then, but others mocking said, in the next breath, they are filled with new wine. You ever find that in your life, like you're trying to do something good? I know why you're doing that. Doubt is right there. That's when you know you're doing the right thing. Let's get to the main text. That was a warm-up that most of us know. The revival really is here. The miracles were there, but the revival was here. Watch this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship togetherness. The breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. They're so inclusive. All, every, other. So it's, You can't even count it. And many wonders and signs were being done. Look at that. The signs and wonders were there, but don't miss the main core of what God is doing. It's saying done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So it's still beyond the doors. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food, glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I hated that last service. I didn't emphasize that last part. Because we better believe it overflowed outside of the church doors. Because how could you add to numbers if you're counting the people that were already in the building? It was so radical that people at Pizza Hut. Do you have Pizza Hut out here? I don't know. Let me switch up. We do? Starbucks. You're getting your nitro blend. I got had one this morning. And, they're, and like you're, it's overflowing. They're like, what is going on with these crazy Christians? How are they radically loving people like this? What's going on? That's what they recognize. My laptop just died. That's fine. That's perfect. So we have to start with the isn'ts. 
We are studying revival today in a new context. So forget the tense. Tents are fine. I'm not dogging tents. But normally when I thought of revival, it's like get a tent, somebody yelling at it, you say a verse, and it's over. But we just learned in Acts 2, the revival just begun after the Spirit poured out and then the results of that, correct? So we know that it's not these things. And I'm not going to read all of them. Exclusion. Selfish. Right? It's not just an emotional event or whatever. That's fine and that's good, but the afterglow is the good stuff. That's when you know it's a a God-sized revival. To be witnesses throughout the world, shown through love, mission, and oneness. In a revival, a revive, a re, a return to, new plans aren't poured out. A resurgence, a revisitation of already established plans. Let me go to my definitions. A new presentation of something old. Revival. If you don't like the Bible, let's look at the dictionary. Restoration of force and validity. A return to the call or activity. Renew. My favorite part in here, revive a project or scheme that had been laid aside. The project and scheme off the bat was radical oneness. From the very beginning. That is the beginning of the church. There's no theological argument about the Pentecost in Acts 2. And if God was that intentional about it, and this is not condemning to anyone here, uh, this is a call to action for us, then we may have missed it. But the good part is, that's what revivals are about. It's never too late. It's never too late. It's 1906. It's downtown. It's April. By the way, I was born April 12th. This is April 9th, I believe it starts. His name is William J. Seymour. He's a one-eyed son of a slave pastor with barely an education who had to learn about the Holy Spirit standing, sitting outside a classroom because he wasn't invited in because he was black. We got to keep it real. Jim Crow law is the way of the world, and there's not even any resistance. It's 1906. This is not even the 60s. It's not even key marching. None of that's going on. It's Los Angeles, Los the city of angels, downtown. He comes because he's invited to come here, and he starts talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of tongues. They kick him out. Get out. He gets kicked out of his first church. Might be depressing. Does he give up? No. He goes into a small prayer group, seven people, and they start praying for the descending of the Holy Spirit. This is Bonnie Gray Street. This house still exists. I visited it with tears in my eyes. I didn't know about any of this about five months ago. Holy Spirit led me to find out about this because I had a meeting at Azusa Pacific University and I had heard something about some revival. Like, what is this? Oh, it gets better. They're praying there. The Spirit descends upon people, start getting filled with the Spirit. Immediately, guess who's getting filled? Black and white people alike. Jennifer Crawford. And immediately God is showing, this is what I'm about. This is what I'm about. So it got so radical, people were showing up. Each night to the Bible study, thousands. They're pouring into the street. Guess who shows up? The mockers show up. The police are like, look here, crazy Christians. You can't do this. This is a violation. So we had to move. They moved to an old shutdown church, which was now a barn, to where we get the name Azusa Street. Azusa Street on 312, I believe it is. And that's all that's left, by the way, because that's unfortunately what we do. We tear stuff down. It's torn down. Watch this. That's William J. Seymour. Apostolic Faith was a magazine. It was distributed 50,000 copies throughout the world, every single nation. 700 million Christians are connected directly and indirectly to this revival. Foursquare Church, 
Church of God in Christ, every Pentecostal church, and a lot of other Hillsong. There's no revival even close to this in church history. No one can even argue it. And I haven't even got to the good part. 350,000 people lived in Los Angeles. Only 8,000 or so were even black at all. The first day of this revival through the end of it, white, black, Asian, Hispanic came to this revival, was filled, was touched. There's people that came with racism, had to go back to the hotel room angry. He was from North Carolina. God, Holy Spirit said, get your butt back in there. Let that man pray for you. Radically changed. I'm, the stories, canes lined the walls of, a zoo, of, this, of, of this building. They said it looked like it was on fire half of the time. People were coming into the train station in Alameda, main station still, from all over the world. And they were sending out people constantly. It was ridiculous. Watch this. Three years, three services a day, seven days a week. Thousands upon thousands. We should know this like anything else. And I'm saying that to myself as well. And it was radically won. It was Pentecost. So this is not judging us if we don't have the diversity. That's not, what about, that's not what it's about. It's about walking in that and knowing that God, the only thing that made it possible was the Holy Spirit. And there were difficulties. I'm sure that at, in, in Pentecost, because the Bible doesn't lie, they were uncomfortable and feelings hurt and people offended. I, I got to say this to us. So what? Figure it out. Forget, like cry, and then like, man, you offended. Yeah, and then go. Right? What does this have to do with what I'm saying? It has everything to do with it. I'm not going to play that. Revival, what is it? How and where does it start? The small print, and what do we do now? We already hit most of it. It's love. Radical love. I was thinking about this as I, as I give this message more. Like, not just, like, the, when you're there in your quiet moment in life, and you're like, is, is God your number, like, it, when all else fails, when we wake up in the morning, we walk through, do we want and desire more of God? Like, really, when nobody's there? Because that's what this man, and that's what he, they didn't use him. He wasn't a great orator. Like I said, he was not, like, nothing, like, aesthetically, he loved God. And he wanted to be used. They say he prayed five hours a day. It's a standard. And when he felt he was slipping, he turned it up to seven. I said, man, all of us, and I, I'm not condemning anyone here. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, man, William, <laughs> I love, like, that's a lot. But here's why it's powerful. And I have points up there, and you can read them. I'm going to go with the Spirit. Because why it's important is because I believe, as the Holy Spirit teaches me, mission is just an overflow of that love. Because it's so much in you, you're like, I got to tell somebody. I have to help. Because God starts giving us our eyes for people that are suffering. And we have a choice. Whether it's in African water crisis or not, I'm not here for propaganda. I'm not here to, like, manipulate anyone's heart. I'm just saying that there's no such thing as a revival that starts with us first without radical love and then that returning or coming out in missional-type activities. And I could show it here. We, we showed it. They were giving possessions and belongings. Azusa Street is just known for usually tongues, Right? And motionism and, and like the Pentecostal movement. And, and it's reduced. I think the enemy wants to reduce it to that. 
Because then no one's talking about the fact that he showed, he's showing us the plan again. That in a time where it shouldn't have happened, pre-marching or anything, we didn't even need the 60s, y'all. That blew my mind. I started thinking about it. If we would have just held on to this, the 60s would not be necessary. Isn't that amazing? Last oneness. The Bible intentionally says they were in one place in one accord. And then at the end, we talked about the overflow being that they were brought in as one together. The highlight I do want to highlight on this slide is Jesus' final prayer in John 17. And it's a tough one sometimes. Because it's calling for something that I think we have not purposely, but accidentally highlighted it wrong and use it as an excuse to kind of remove ourselves from folks. Let me talk about it. So before we get to 2021, and you can break this out and check it, I say things often that people are like, I'm fact-checking you, Rich Rail. Do it. I don't trust anybody. I'll check it too. What verse is that? So read John 17, the whole thing. So um, he says, I do not pray for the world. Most of us know that. There's, before we get to 2021, and I was going to preach on this, and I really got bothered. Because I start thinking, like, Lord, what does this even mean? I don't pray for the world, but I pray for you. There's a ver- that's the verse. I think it's maybe 16 or something like that. So I had to go deep into studying the Greek and, and uh, different commentaries on it. We missed it. The world is used multiple times in different contexts throughout the Bible and Word. And at times they're talking about world as in the people that are in the world and world as in the system, the ways of the world. I do not pray for the world and the system that's in it but I pray for you. And here's why I know. Because God never contradicts himself. Because in this 2021, he says this prayer. Lord, I pray that they abide in me and we become one as you and I are one. And here's where the turn happens. Not only those that believe, but those that will believe. Oh, we better pause right there. Because I know I'm a will believe, was a former will believe. So if we're supposed to be one with those that are already believing and those that will believe, who is that? It sounds rough. Everyone. When we're bringing clean water into this place, sometimes the gospel's there, sometimes it's not. And when the water shows up and when there's love showing up there, like that lays the foundation for now we're talking about living water. When we love on people, right, just like us that don't, deserve it in our mind or we can't or we don't agree with it. I'm not saying, listen, oneness does not mean compromise. Oneness does not mean assimilation. Oneness means I understand and realize there's one creator that created one humanity with the same value. That's all it means. And that would change the posture of our hearts and activate us. Not a propaganda. Where does it start? I'm going to fast forward this. The bottom line is it starts with me. It starts with you, it starts with us. There's plenty of times I walk into places, <laughs> Lord, they need a revival up in here. <laughs> it's easy for third person, right? Like, I know something's wrong. This whole school needs Jesus. <laughs> you know I'm telling the truth. Maybe I'm the only one. You guys won't admit it. But then the Holy Spirit will be like, no, you need to work on some things too. Like, oh, man. <laughs> Let us ask for a revival within ourselves, and that overflow oftentimes will be there. Next thing. So with that said, I said three years ago, God called me into this ministry with no smiles. I didn't smile at all. I'm sitting in church, looking for my high five from, from God. 
because I was getting three kids baptized and I didn't grow up in the church. And they were teenagers. Where's my high five at, Jesus? Like, good job, Rich. He's like, put your hand down. <laughs> kind of, pretty much, because then World Vision comes in. And he says, I'm glad your children are okay. And he takes me back to the incubator when I'm sitting there for 21 days praying for my firstborn children that are premature. Exactly. You already know. You already know. And he's like, remember when you were praying like that? With all that vigor, and you said, just give them a chance to live? This, they're praying like that in Africa. Are you going to get up and do something or not? Actually, he didn't ask. He said, get up. This is, again, I'm not playing with your heart. I'm just telling you my journey. Now, the next level of that overflow became as I went to this context and visited these countries that I oftentimes did not think about or those that are suffering around me did not think about on the level I should have. And I've been walking with God since 1998, so I know better. I'm just keeping it real. I, I know better. He said, Richard, um, I'm preaching a message. I was preaching a message called Shift. It was last year in August, 2018. And I'm going around, and the Holy Spirit had me appreciate, and there's this point where I say, there's these moments in your life where there's shifts. And, like, because he switched it from change. We always think change, like we don't have everything in us. We have everything in us. Sometimes you just got to shift your focus. Is that it shift your perspectives, it'll shift your plans, and then it'll also add some urgency to you because people are dying. Like a 1,000 children a day are dying from lack of access to clean water. And that's actually a celebratory number because it used to be 1,600 when Chris and I started this ministry. So that's actually a, a hand clap. I know this is a heavy message, but I love you. So that's actually, yeah, that's awesome. Because of faithful churches like this. See how there's always hope in this? Even though it's a heavy word, like there's always hope in this. So he says to me, I'm glad you said, um, so my statement was, when you shift, it's because you hear a clear word from God. And we know those are rare, like really clear. I said, no, like Noah built an ark clear. I said that term. I was like, that was a good one. Good sermon, right, Jesus? He's like, yes. Um, I'm glad you said that because I've got an ark for you to build. I said, what? Okay. And then he said, you're going to, he gave me the word mission. I didn't grow up out here. I grew up in Chicago. And he gave me the word mission. And he then started to lay out to me that you're going to run mission by mission from San Diego to Santa Barbara. So I said, first, oh, did you say bike? <laughs> he said, no, what's going to happen is you're going to use your feet. And you're going to tell people a simple message with no propaganda that we're one. And you're going to launch an organization while that happened. And World Vision knows all about this, and that's what you're going to do. And you would think I would stand on top of a mountain and get high fives from Chris and other folks. This was day three. Uh, first day was 39 miles. Uh, second day is 32 miles. This day is a 57-mile day from uh, San Juan Capistrano to San Gabriel. What's going on here, Rich? Well, the wheels fell off a bit. And uh, what is it, 20 hours later? 20 hours later, I'm still out here. What have we got, about 12 miles, 13 miles or more? Uh, 13, maybe? 13 miles from San Gabriel. And uh, I honestly was at the end of myself when I was crying. And uh, then all of a sudden, I see lights and... <laughs> And, I, and these guys showed up. <laughs> these guys showed up. Two guys from a church. <laughs> Ebirth is 
single-handedly run a, an eight-and-a-half-hour marathon because he didn't train for it. So if anybody knows how to hit a wall and keep what? going, yeah. I've got the duty, and he's the marathon man. And then Ricky just... Um, Moses style gave me this walking stick off the street and I am going to use it like with no shame and I might incorporate a walking stick for tomorrow take some of this pressure off my back but I gotta start moving this is Whittier last night you guys I could not walk I went to bed praying like if you let my legs move I won't stop until until I get there that's why I'm here if things were perfect, what Mission One Race would have been from the very beginning, from the first mission. That's, that's, that's what I'm feeling right now. So it took me, like, being broken and walking this a.m. to, like, this, this is Mission One Race. Look, look, like, look around. I mean, literally, it just so happens that you have a <laughs> Caucasian, two black males in a Mexican. I mean... I mean, that's, like, accidental, <laughs> but also it's Mission One Race. It's family. We're just stretching out, you know. It's tight. It's going to Lambert. Oh, yeah. Here in Whittier. On the side of the road. <laughs> 2 a.m. Looks completely normal. Shut up. There's nothing wrong with this picture at all. So, one guy's holding the light, another guy's got a camera, third guy's got some dude's leg. Anyway, this is normal. It's totally explainable. Everything. I'm not being. Have mercy. Don't make fun of my eyes. So I'm, I've lost it at this like point. We're one, like mother, uh, like mother Teresa. We belong to each other. Yeah. You're gonna treat that person differently. Yeah. You're gonna care if they're suffering. Correct. No matter what the suffering is. Yeah. And challenge yourself tomorrow. It's, it's difficult. It'll mess your head up. You're like, man, did I just do that to that person? That's messed up. Right. It'll mess you up. It'll mess you up in a good way. So I'm mess. Try to mess. You up. That was me sprinting, by the way. That was a runoff. Nah, I'm not even trying to be fun. So as you read this, here's the, here's the thing. Why, why, and I start, start asking, well, why show this guy? Because they're connected, and it's because it's overflow from this ministry. Um, and I also want to show that there's still not a storybook here. There's people that have started sponsoring children that then die in mudslides. I, I don't know why I'm sharing this. Like, like this is life. And, and I needed to be moved out of the way. So I physically failed, but did I fail? So I ended up in urgent care, and only because my daughter, who's not even that nice to me, uh, my youngest, was like, please just get checked out. They did not let me leave. They said, your kidneys is 95% shut down, and you're about to lose the, the car, to compartmental syndrome, your bottom right leg. Uh, it's a wrap for you. And I was broken and, and crying, and that was actually God's plan. You know why? Because people rallied. I'm talking from every area in Southern California. If you were to pick saying, hey, I want every, like Azusa Street, I want, do we have any Asian runners or white runners or Mexican runners or black runners? Everyone, that's who came out and ran throughout the night to keep the mission going. And relays. Guys, all I was sharing this was on Facebook or whatever else. People are thirsty for it. We want it. We know it. We need it. We love it. That's how we're wired. 
And then they met me in Santa Barbara, and we ran into the final mission. The news was there. That's all great and stuff, like 30 people. Un unreal. So I was able to finish the final 8K. I no permanent damage uh, that I know of besides probably my brain. <laughs> Keep praying. Um, why that? Because who would we rather be? Right? That's what this adds. I mean, this is a heavy burden. Like, extreme poverty is complicated. These aren't short missions. We don't just drop off water and say, hey, good luck. It's a 10 to 15-year commitment. It's water, it's food, it's health, it's education, it's economic empowerment. It's a journey. And I'm not going to do the small print, but we know it's, you, you'll get mocked sometimes. I did. Believe it or not, people like, I don't have friends to this day because I did Mission One Race. Straight up. Uh, you're not in control, and it's hard work. Three services a day. Hey, sign up for this, Rob. Three services a day, uh, seven days a week for three years straight. No, no big deal, right? You got plenty of time for vacation. It's hard work. It's hard work at times. So what do we do? Really, that's it. We love whatever the mission is calling you, whether it's this one or another one, get involved there. And we search our hearts where our hangups are potentially in oneness because all of us have them. We're all arriving and on a journey. Amen? That's real. Um, the final statement, love broadens our circle of concern. And mission is an overflow of love. We talked about that. Caring for those in the margins. And oneness, this is Holy Spirit giving me, erases the lines. Right? From loving everyone the way Jesus would love them. There are no lines. No country, no distance. No, no past. Anything that excuses us from loving people. Amen? We don't have to amen the stuff. We don't high five people sending out of their mind like, do it. No. <laughs> well, we love them. I was going to show this video. I don't have time for it. I'm landing the plane now. So what's the invite? Not to play with you, but part of something that's being radically won from people faithfully serving like Chris in this church throughout this area and beyond, we're going to run the streets of Los Angeles is what we're going to do. There's going to be like a 1,000 of us amongst the 25,000 other people, but we're going to have a cause. We have extreme favor because of God's hand. You will run the Run, run, walk, waddle, skip, I don't care. Shuffle either the half or full marathon. Half marathon, 13.1 miles, you can do it. Full marathon, Dodger Stadium to Santa Monica Pier, right? And we have a party and a sermon-like almost uh, uh, at both the stadium on the lowest level and in the middle of Hollywood and Highland. I mean Hollywood Highland. It's, it's Sunset and Fairfax. What am I just naming streets for? We're in Hollywood. <laughs> just naming streets. We're going to run our own course. And they're like, what? And it's one of the best wordless witnesses, I call it. Because they're going to be like, hey, what are you? World Vision, we saw you. What are you crazy Christians up to, man? We're just loving people. Hey, we'll pray for you. Ask runners. Praying for folks on the course. Am I lying, Chris? Speaking of perhaps, it is a witness that, and it rocks us together as a church. It binds us together as a body of Christ. 70 teams throughout Southern California. The most inclusive of anywhere in the nation because we have people whose heart is thirsty for that, and that's what God's doing. So this video is revival, and I'm doing better with my time, so I have a couple other slides, and I'm going to bring Chris up after this video. Okay? Amen? We're there? All right. about the global water crisis for the first time. I could have shut down, been numb by it. The issue was too big. Someone else would do something about it. But God was calling me to be broken by the global water crisis, to do something, to be awakened and activated 
to move my feet and run a marathon to change the course of a child's life and the course of mine. But was it for me? I'm not a runner. Marathons? Fundraising? That's just not me. I'm not a runner. I'm not somebody who does athletic events. Or is this opportunity for me? Could I maybe, just maybe, say yes? say yes to God's crazy invitations, boldly trusting in his faithfulness, he does amazing things. Because on the other side of yes is water and fullness of life, and God has something in it for you. And believe it or not, this is going to be fun. Because this isn't just running. This isn't just water. This is the church. This is the body of Christ coming together to love and serve the least of these brothers and sisters of ours to see and experience God's transformational power. This is a revival. Will you join us? Well, that's the question. That could be you. That's my full marathoners in Dodger Stadium. That could be you, half marathoners. Who smiles like this before a race? We do. Bring on the suffering. It's not. It's fun. I'm just messing with you. Um, over a million, two years in a row in, in L.A. marathon history. No charity has ever done it once, let alone back-to-back. -back. And it's and it's not bragging. Uh, and this is 20,000-plus children with gifts of clean water. Every $50, we were able to get life um, long clean water for that child. I can get way more in depth to that and what that means. Here's our zones, for goodness sake, from Tehachapi to Compton to Riverside to Malibu to I'm, I, I almost feel proud with that kind of thing. I'm like, this is unreal. Name something. Name something where I can keep going. Inglewood to, to Pasadena. It's happening. It is absolutely revival under, around a mission and a cause because we're one anyway. It's fun. We had to break it down to zones, and it's growing. Um, that's what we're going for this year, 1.35, 27,000 lives, 400 sponsorships. There's a vision and call. We don't set these numbers. The field sets the numbers because that's the need. So they have these projects. These aren't like we'll get to projects. There's projects ready now, funded, that go once we have the total amount. So we're not trying to figure out what to do with the funds. Matter of fact, the funds that we raise when the season's over, they're already spent. Isn't that awesome? They're not sitting in the bank. They're in East Africa and Kenya already working. Okay? Yeah, that's awesome. Here's the process. I'm going a little bit fast because I want to bring Chris up in a trust building, 10 to 12 years. We are not going into the context of these neighborhoods and saying, we know it all. Let me show you. We're the holder of Jesus. Whether we're in Costa Rica, uh, India, Africa, because World Vision is in a, about 100 countries, it is led indigenously. 40,000 of our 44,000 employees are indigenous engineers, pastors, servants, things of that sort. So understand that when you're empowering it. Always Christian witness, though we're tangibly answering their needs. So if you're a headstrong person, know that we're doing a diligent work. I've never seen a balance of faith and strategy in an organization uh, like this in, in, my, in my life. It's the largest Christian organization, second to the church, of course, as a whole, the body of Christ in the world. Um, yeah, I can show that. Oneness, uh, 
Uh, I am going to land here. I wanted to land here before Chris come on up. Um, for those of you who are here, you remember this. Um, our brother, Bob Smith. Um, do you know how many people have been invited into this ministry and this call based on the faithfulness of this church and this man? I've shared his story from the stages at pastor's gatherings, from meetings. Our faithfulness affects our lives, and we transform our church and people beyond. We don't even know. And these children are having children. Um, so impactful. Chris, yeah. Um, Chris, you, you, I wanted Chris to share, and then I'm going to shut up and then pray at the end. Actually, you're going to close everything. So I'm done. I love you all, and I, and I thank you. We will have a 10-minute info session here. Yeah. Um, and going to that info session doesn't mean you're in. It means that God is maybe saying this to you. If he, he's probably nicer to you. He said this to me, get up. And I, and I don't need you to smile either. I didn't smile once in my info session. It was straight obedience. Not once. I was giving them the old school look, like pre-saved, like don't even ask me. And then I signed up. <laughs> All right. So here, Chris, um, my brother. Thanks, Rich. Yeah, you know, um, it kind of caught me off guard first service. Rich talked about wordless witness. Um, team dinner last year down in, uh, in a parking lot garage. Just hundreds of people all over eating, sharing, getting excited. And, um, you know, the, the founder of Team World Vision was, was sharing kind of how this all started. You know, I've been involved with World Vision for, this will be my ninth run. And um, wordless witness. Praying as he's closing up his discussion. And they got a table set up in the back. And if you go back and you sign a card, a commitment card, they give you an orange mug that says yes. And it means that you made a decision that you're going to say yes to participating next year. Now, if you guys don't know, I have a 13-year-old in the room that isn't always the easiest one to connect with. And sometimes you feel as a father that maybe you're failing, right? But what he did was he took it upon himself to go and sign up to run this year. Wordless witness. I had to say it versus praying at this time just so that I could kind of keep it together. But something happens when we do this. Something so much more than what we think might be happening. God is full of surprises. So as Rich shared, even if you think that you're no part of this, please don't pass up the opportunity to participate in some way because God might just surprise you. I'm going to pray us out. And like he said, if you, if you feel that way, just five, ten minutes with my brother Rich. He just wants to give a little bit more information about how you can get involved, whether you want to run, whether you want to cheer, whether you want to give, whether you want to just participate in, in, in encouraging others. Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for my brother Rich who continues to carry the torch, Lord, for the burden that you've placed upon his heart. 
Thank you, Lord, that you invite us into these opportunities where we get to be part of your plan. Lord, I, I do thank you for my son. I do thank you, Lord, that I didn't have to ask. I didn't have to invite. I didn't have to tell. Lord, I just had to continue to go where you told me to go. And you moved, Lord. You moved amidst the obedience, Lord, and it's just wonderful. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for their hearts, Lord. I'm thankful for their support of this mission. I'm thankful for their support of the brothers and sisters that run, not just here in Tehachapi, but all across Southern California, Lord. I'm thankful for the 20,965 runners that was saved last year. And, Lord, I'm going to thank you ahead of time for the 27,000-plus that are going to be saved as a result of the obedience of those that are hearing your voice even right now, Lord. And, Father, I thank you. I shared it first service, but, Lord, I just want to thank you second service for the words that my friend Amy Wilson shared with me eight years ago. When I was struggling in my training, she said, Chris, all you got to do is keep going. And when you get to where you feel like you can't go any further, don't worry. The Lord will carry you. And so I want these here today, Lord, that even if the enemy is trying to put a little bit of doubt in their mind, Father, you, you're victorious. You've already overcome this. And you've invited us to participate. So, Lord, have your way in your people today, I ask in your precious name. Amen.